0: The Get Rich Slow Club podcast is a collaboration between Tash Etchman from Tash Invest and Anna Christina from Perla. The Get Rich Slow Club acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land we record on. From coast to coast, across land, waters, and communities, we pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs, or objectives, so consider whether it's appropriate for you.
1: Welcome to the Get Rich Slow Club podcast, where we take you from beginner to confident investor, where we can teach you everything you need to know about investing. So come get rich slow with us.
2: Today, we have such a good episode with Raul Engel, who is from Brazil and moved to Australia in 2014. He has a really impressive story. He started investing when he was 18. With an entrepreneurial spirit, he has experience across various different digital businesses and launched his first financial education project, For Portuguese speakers in Australia in 2020, he teaches immigrants how to master their money and believes that investments are a great way to grow your money, but more importantly, to protect your wealth. His content also focuses on growing a business and career development.
1: With over 30% of Australian residents born overseas, Howell believes that empowering and educating immigrants is more important than ever. And this episode really resonated with me as someone who also had to navigate Australia's system when it came to tax, super, and permanent residency as someone who was born abroad.
2: Plus in this episode, Howell shares a super exciting announcement for the first time.
1: We're so excited to have Raul on the show, but before we get started and chat with him, we are going to kick it off with our money win or loss of the week, which we always do. Tash, what's yours for this week? Money win for this week. Um, I saw the Amazon, was it
2: Prime Day sales yesterday, but I couldn't buy anything. So I don't know where I'm going to be next week. Exactly. Like trying to decide where my address is going to be. So I think money win, it stopped me from buying stuff online.
1: Oh, that's a good one. And I think the other thing that people forget is that Amazon sometimes marks up the cost of things and then they do a percentage where, you know, it looks like it's 40% off, but it's not as much. So using websites like Camel Camel or Honey are always a really good one to just check the price. Are you really getting a good price? Yes. Raul, do you have a good one for this week, a win or loss?
3: I actually, I do, but I don't, but I'll see how it goes. I had to submit my tax return early this year, meaning like on the first business day. Um, cause you're looking to buy a property now. And oh, then I have exciting. to have everything ready. So it's kind of, it's a money loss, but it's going to be a money win because I have to pay ATO probably. And then I have to spend money buying the house. And it's like,
0: yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> a
3: little finished, bit about, yeah,
1: <laughs> at least you got it out of the way. It's nice to get your taxes out of the way. You don't have to stress about it later, right?
3: Yes. Yes. I usually do a bit later, like a, Next year later. Uh but yeah. yeah, that's all right. That's all good. It's for a great reason.
1: <laughs> and exciting to start looking for a house. My winner loss of the week is not is neither. It's more of a tip. And I don't know how helpful this is, but what I have been doing for the past couple of years is running the dishwasher and the dryer or, or washing machine off peak hours so that I can get a bit of a cheaper, cheaper rate on them. And that was something that I was paying attention to because a few years ago or not a few years ago, last year we were looking at how much energy we consume, both gas and electricity. And we realized that if we took advantage of off-peak hours, it kind of saves us money. So a bit of a tip that I've been doing the whole time. So sharing that for anyone who's interested in off-peak hours. Do you have to apply to have off-peak rates in Victoria or do you just get off-peak rates? It's just, I think it depends on your provider, but we have off-peak rates that say peak time is this price and off-peak time is that price. So if you okay. kind of time it, it's usually after 9 p.m. So I set my dishwasher for you know nine, <laughs> nice. and uh, and then it's a lower rate, right, yeah. But we also have solar, so that kind of helps in the daytime when we're running some appliances, yeah, big way because we do work from home, so we're using electricity, <laughs> using lot. all the things. So that's that. So we're going to get started. Howell, you started investing when you were 18, which is really young. And many people don't get their finances in order until later in life, uh, such as myself. What was the catalyst for starting so young?
3: I think the main reason is, uh, well, was I didn't have money. So (laughs) basically that was the reason uh, I read (laughs) Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was 15, 16. And then coming from a family back in Brazil, where I'm originally from, uh, with didn't have really much money. We were not poor, but we just didn't have any luxury. And then I always had that mindset of if I want to do something, I have to create these opportunities for myself. And then I was like, Oh, how do I organize my money? How do I, you know, I do this or do that? And I was helping my mother, uh, with her small business. So I was always interested in learning about that. And then was like, start working was when I was 15 years old, uh, in a surf shop. And then, you know, having, you know, start saving some money and then saving money here, saving money there. And then when I was 18 years old, I joined the Brazilian army where I stayed for seven years. And then 12 months later, I was earning a good salary. And now I was, well, wow, I have two options now. One, I can go crazy and start doing parties and buying cars and etc., Or I could go to uni as well, start saving, start investing. And that's the path that I took. So... That was the main drive for for my, yeah, I have to learn how to manage money.
1: You said you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad at age 15. How how Just, did you get your hands <laughs> on this? What possessed you to be like, hey, I'm, I mean, obviously you're, you're working alongside your mom's business, but you know, 15 year olds aren't really thinking about Rich Dad, Poor Dad.
3: Yeah, I think because it's super different. My dad's like super conservative, like I'm going to be working. He's um, an electrician. Uh, but it's just completely different in Brazil. Electricians don't make money in Brazil, not as much as they make here. So it's like super conservative. And my mom was like super crazy all over the place and start differenting businesses and stuff. And then I was like, Oh, I'm more towards this path. Uh, but she wasn't organized with money at all. My parents didn't invest until maybe five years ago. And then it's just, wow, what are going to do that? And then I had to find a way to learn. So start going for bookstores. And really going there and say, hey, how do I learn about this? Or asking my friend's parents, like, hey, I have this person that's successful, going to him or her and say, what do you read? How can I learn more about that? And um, that that was the way that I was like, yeah, go read this book, um, talks about real estate. That's what I was told. And then when I was reading, I was like, wow. That's what I need to do.
1: <laughs> and I think for context, we're in a closer age bracket. So when you were 18, there weren't, you know, there wasn't social media and influencers and news articles on making money. It was really hard to find that information, which is why I'm extra impressed. Cause I think I also read a book around 15, but that helped me save, not think about investing. So I wish I, fo- I wish I followed your route, but what can you do? Hindsight 2020. That's so impressive.
2: I think my dad bought me. Rich Dad, Poor Dad as well, but I didn't read it properly. I read a few pages and I was like, oh, this sucks. And I didn't, and like, I still haven't read it to this day. But yeah, completely different story. I love it. Um, You moved to Australia in 2014, not knowing English. That must have been really challenging. What was the reason for your move and how did you navigate all of the challenges as an immigrant?
3: Yes. Uh, yeah, it was a bit challenging. Um, I was in the Brazilian army for seven years and I basically got bored. I was transferred from one military base to another. I didn't have um, an option to be transferred again. And I was like, oh, you know what? I just want to get out of here, change the environment and then go surfing. That was the real, <laughs> the, the real reason. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so it was in between canada sorry anna canada new zealand <laughs> and australia so i was like canada oh that's too cold i cannot surf there new the cold Zealand, cold water was, surfing
1: is pretty good yeah, in canada I but it is like cold. Cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 and sure ice, but it's it. fun
3: it's just not
1: australia <laughs> Lovely, it's so fun. and then <laughs> it was, it
3: was <laughs> and then it was new zealand i was like oh, i can surf maybe i cannot but australia was like yeah. Great. One of my best friends lived here uh, for about a year and he said, man, just go there. We can go, we can serve. But to be truly honest with you guys, the main reason was because I, I was going to leave the army and then I was afraid that I would not be successful working in the corporate business. I was just so afraid of that. So it was kind of a way for me to get out of that. And then if I would fail, I would fail far away from home, no one would know. And then, oh, I always had that excuse. Oh, I don't speak English. So, oh, I failed because of that. You know what I mean? You could put a, blame this system um instead of myself or my actions. Um, but yeah, so surf and that. <laughs> it, it's pretty challenging to come to Australia not knowing I knew one person that I moved in 2014 and then I'm, last time I spoke with this friend was 2007. So, it was six, seven years without speaking with him and then find out that he was here. I was like, yeah, I'm going to Australia. Give me a hand. Uh, he was living in Bondi as well. And then I moved to Bondi as, you know, I think 95% of people that go to Sydney and want to study, they want to live in Bondi. But yes. But it's really challenging to go not knowing, not knowing the language, not knowing really anything, the banking system. How do I make money? How do I, which bank do I open? What's this thing called super, superannuation? It just didn't know anything. <laughs> and then, yeah, but it, it's really good. Australia is a beautiful country; has so many opportunities. But it's it's quite difficult when you move on the first time you're moving in.
2: Mm, it's so impressive that you moved all the way to Australia to come surfing. That's really awesome. What was the first job you got when you were here?
3: Uh construction. So working in construction, um, being like a general labor, um, doing the mixes and carrying um, bricks here and there, not knowing what to do and what not to do, not knowing the names of. The items like, what, well, what's a brick? How do you call a brick a brick? Or how do you call a broom a broom? Like you just, I just didn't know. And then it was like pointing out things for me to learn. It was just, just a way to learn. You have no option if you want to survive or sink or swim, you know, in the end of the day it's like that. Um, but yeah, working in construction removal lists as well, and then just start applying for other positions and things like that.
1: I really resonate with your story in terms of moving to another country and being able to take risks and failing and no one sees you failing in another country if if you do fail or succeed, right? Like there's that opposite side. English is not was not an issue for me because we speak English in, in Canada, but I know you hinted before when we chatted that you have an embarrassing story about not speaking English. And I'd love for you to share that with us.
3: Uh well there's so many. I think the first one was just <laughs> as soon as it was at the airport, you know. Today I think the guy said from the Border Patrol, say, good day mate, how are you going? or something like that. And it was just like Smile and nod, smile and nod. Like, I had no <laughs> idea. I just gave him my passport, my vaccination card. And yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. welcome to Australia. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea what he was saying. Like, no idea. Um, so that's kind of one. Um, working in construction as well, I was carrying all these things and tools that I had no idea what it was. And the guys were saying, like, oh, bring me the hammer." I was like, yeah, sure, the hammer. I was like, I had no idea what it was. So I went to the other room, brought, I don't know, a scissor. I don't know. And then it was like, no, the hammer. I was like, oh, yes, of course, the hammer. Went back there, like did the three or four times. He was like, man, what are you doing? I was like, okay, just give me a second. So I brought, I came back with everything on my hand, like all the tools, like pick one and just tell me what it is because I have no idea. So the guys were super cool trying to teach me as well. Yeah, showing me like what tools are not, And they gave me like a little paper note so I could take notes and they were like spelling to me how to write, how to say that. And then about two years later, we just get together for some beers, um, having dinner with them. I was not working in construction anymore. And I was telling them during lunchtime that you would, you know, be talking about foodie and news and constructions that whatever it was. And every single time there was a silence, then would be potentially a way for me to speak or to say, say something. I was like, just eating. Um, because I didn't I didn't understand what they were saying. And then for me, they were like, Oh, laughing, they start laughing, and they will be laughing as well. And in my head, it was like, I hope these guys are not saying something like, hey, let's start laughing. Because if we start laughing, he starts laughing, and then we all laugh. And I was like, I don't know if they're doing this or not. Uh but when I told them the story like two years later, they were just cracking, they were just laughing so much. Oh, we didn't know, we didn't realize. But it's so hard because you really have no idea what is what everyone is saying, and then just like, there, cruising) <laughs>
1: Hearing your story really reminds me of my father's story coming to Canada and not being able to speak Croatian. So hearing someone talk about it in 2014, which is much more recent, is interesting, right? Because you do have the internet um, on hand. You can be communicating in a different way, but still, it's absolutely so challenging. And when I think back to my dad trying to navigate that without, you know, the internet that, that blows my mind, but there's still so many challenges, right? Like, how do you know about taxes? How do you learn, um, navigate super? How do you figure out your banking situation? And, you know, because this is a financial podcast, I'd, I'd love to hear how, as someone who immigrated to Australia, how did you navigate that whole system?
3: That was kind of how do I start? Where do I start? What do I do? And then, um, for the first year, I didn't know because I arrived in Australia in March and then, oh, financial year. So July, everyone was talk about this tax return. I was like, what are you talking about? And then I was like, oh, what do I have to do? So the international student agencies usually guide you and help the international students. In my case, I came here to study English. And they kind of guide you and say, hey, you can open a bank account on this bank and do the tax return with this company, etc. But they don't really teach you. They don't really show you, and explain why this bank and why not the other bank. And I was curious because... Back then, I was already investing in Brazil. I had my portfolio. So it was okay. I cannot lose money. I have to learn how to do it. And as you say earlier, we didn't have podcasts. We didn't have really YouTube channels or, you know, Instagram or anyone really talking about that. And I think the problem was I couldn't also find information about immigrants. So it, it's the same system, but what's the best for me? You know, like, um, and then I stopped reading, going to the internet, trying to find reviews and then going to bookstores again. Do I have any book here in Australia that can help me with that? So that's when I came across the barefoot investor on my first years in Australia, which really helped, uh, to understand a little bit of how the Australian system works and how it can find more information. But definitely, um, it, it was difficult. Um, there was like searching on the internet and you could find comparing websites. But how do I know if someone have tried another bank outside of the big force, for example? I had, you know, you just have to navigate that kind of blindly, you know, to start and then asking other Australians, really. I was like, Oh, which bank do you use? Oh, this bank. Why? Uh, because my parents used.
0: <laughs> No, we because need I
1: to have, know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Dollar mites. Yes. yes.
2: <laughs> um, investing is challenging enough for people who speak English as a first language to navigate. What do you think is the biggest challenge for foreigners living in Australia when it comes to investing?
3: One is the language, of course, if you don't speak English. Second one is having a reference or how do you learn about it? You know, because if you know how to analyze a company, an ETF, or crypto, whatever it is, you can just replicate that from a back home to Australia. That's basically the same. Yes, there's a the language, but what platform should I use and what system, you know, what's more tax efficient for you? And then I think it's just the curiosity of trying to find this information. That's a really big leap. That's a big jump that you can make and anyone can make. Again, you have your podcast, just an amazing source of information. As you guys always say, check it out the first 10 episodes. You're going to learn so much about so many things. And that, not sponsored guys, so just saying. <laughs> we, didn't,
1: we didn't pay you. <laughs> we didn't pay
3: just because it's true, you know. So you, you are in Australia trying to find not only your friends and trying to understand which banks or um, brokers or whatever they use, but trying to understand why. Why did they pick that one? So finding information is so important. And, and again, as I mentioned, um, for super, it's a different system. In Brazil, we don't have a superannuation system. It's a completely different system. And then we get here, and then I was talking to my fiance, think about myself. I got here when I was 24, 25. So if you are Australian working here, and then you have money on your super, since you were like 15, 16 years old, how much the compound interest start working on that? And then if you go to a woman, immigrant woman coming here when they are 25, 26, 27 years old and start putting money on their super, if you calculate that, is that going to be enough time to reach a certain amount of money to have a good retirement life? You know, so start thinking about that and just be curious uh, about, you know, what else you can do and organize your money and start investing but I think the biggest challenge is not knowing how to invest uh, and not finding information easily. Um, uh, but it's, if you have internet today, you, you can really learn.
1: In a lot of cases, it's just challenging just to figure it out from the beginning. Cause if, for example, you're not a permanent resident, taxes for you is slightly different than if you are a permanent resident. And that was something that I needed to navigate in my old job because I was sponsored. But there was a lot of us who were like, do we invest in our super? Can we take our super out if we decide to go back to our country of origin? Do we, um, how do, how do you navigate that? So there's this added complexity when you're a foreigner if you don't know if you're going to stay in Australia. And I don't know if that's the case with your community, but you, you have to you have to know all the information to make the right decision for yourself, right?
3: No, absolutely. Absolutely. Just thinking about how much tax you pay if you leave Australia as a foreigner, you, you pay around like 30% usually when you withdraw your, your super. Um, so it's like, oh, is that tax efficient to do salary sacrifice you know should i do this should i not do speak with your accountant speak with your financial advisor but these questions that you know you don't know and then i think maybe three or four years ago super hard to transfer your shares for example from australia to another broker in anywhere in the world so you're based in australia investing here but you want to transfer that because you're leaving australia that was super difficult now it's getting easier it's not easy but it's possible. So people are like, Oh, I can't invest while I'm in Australia, knowing that if I leave, you can transfer those shares somewhere to somewhere else, some other broker, um, anywhere in the world. So yeah, I totally agree with you. And I was like, absolutely different. And then you just don't know what you don't know. And that can be scary. And then it usually stops people to start looking after the money
1: because i i know you have a large portuguese speaking community that benefits from your content and different cultures have you know different things that they need to consider and we're talking both from a from a place where we were born in a different country and we came came to australia how do you think investing or thinking about business or money compares to australians who are born here what are some of those challenges or differences
3: i think the difference is the environment Really, um, if you, for example, today, the interest rate in Brazil, the cash rate, let's say, is 13.75. And then it's like, yeah, so. Wow. Yeah.
1: So to borrow money. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah.
3: (laughs) It is. And then if you are borrowing money to invest on your business, you're like.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up.
3: At least, and as an investor, you go okay. Let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars to invest. Should I risk in a riskier environment to make some money, or just put on like an inter, like fixed rate that is going to pay you thirteen percent a year? You're like, what are going to do? You're like in bonds or whatever it is, you know. So it is just different. You're like, oh, should I risk my money, or should I just take the safe path during this period? Because about 80, 90% of the um, businesses in Brazil closed or shut the doors in less than five years. So it's really challenging. And then when I came to Australia and I was like, oh, interest rates like 2%, 3%,
1: yeah, inflation,
3: about? <laughs> 2%. And then everyone was like cruising and they're like super easy, like living the Australian dream. You know, like if you're working basically anything here in Australia, you can make money. And then, of course, we are navigating challenging waters now that's a hundred percent we let's not be let's not forget about that but in general it's just different environment and then how can you thrive there you know I was seeing businesses oh like a coffee shop they don't open Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday I was living in Adelaide or because I lived in Sydney, Adelaide, and now on the Gold Coast so it was like why do you guys close three days a week? You can be working, you can be making much more money and then you can do this, you can do that and blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, no, I don't have to do that because it's like, it's a better environment. like economic, it's more stable and the economy is more stable and then the growth is just stable. And I was like, oh, okay, you can live like that as well. We don't have to stress too much about what the government's going to do or, you know. Um, so it's just different and I think in Australia is so much better and then you can have like a work-life balance. That's just so much better. And again, it's all about perspective in the end.
2: Yeah. It's definitely a really good reminder to put it into perspective and realize how good we do have it in Australia, despite some of the challenges that there are around at the moment. Um, but so much of the Australian economy is fueled by immigrants. Do you have any tips on how immigrants can be successful in Australia?
3: First, believe in yourself. Believe that you can do something different, something different. you might be coming from New Zealand that's super close or might be coming from Brazil or Canada that's really far away, and it's hard to you know go back and visit your family. It's really expensive um sometimes you're just working, 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 you have no idea what's gonna happen with you, but believe that you can do something different, as you mentioned Tash. I don't know, 30% of Australians are, were born overseas or they have the parents or the grandparents were from overseas. So we have this huge community. And then how can one help to help each other? Two, how can you understand how Australia works? That was something that my best friend that lived here told me. He said, how oh, go to Australia and learn why Australia is so good. Do this. That's the basic. So if you do that and you learn how it works and how you can benefit of that, great. You're gonna succeed in Australia. If you decide to come back, fine. You're gonna learn something absolutely different from a different environment, and you're gonna succeed back home. So for all immigrants that are listening to us, just believe that you can really do something different. You know, believe in yourself. You can you can start a new life here, a new career. You have so many opportunities. But I think the fear of not belonging can be so much bigger than your desire to, yes, I can do some things. Yeah, just really believing yourself can be, you know, super cliche. But it's really true. If you can believe, if you don't believe, you're not going to achieve. That's for sure.
1: (laughs) It's a beautiful message to believe in yourself. And obviously, how you've believed in yourself because you actually have a few different businesses going on. And you've pivoted a little bit along the way, going from the military to finance what are your businesses?
3: (laughs) Yeah. So I was, I studied marketing and public relations back uh, in Brazil. And then I came here, I worked in international with international students and that's where everything started.
1: Which makes sense, right? Which makes sense. You had your own experience and you're working with international students who are navigating the same waters and you found a gap in that market, right? Like it's, it's, it makes total sense.
3: Yeah, I did. Because when I was doing their student plan, okay, you want to study here. What do you want to do? Like, oh, I would love to start a master's degree because they can help my career. They can do this, this and that. They was like, oh, great. Let's, let's do it. Let's make a plan. They're like, oh, I don't have money. I was like, what do you mean? You're making X amount per hour. You're doing this, this and that. You do have money. You just have to organize yourself. So look back to your finance. So doing that for about four or five years, I realized we don't think about that. We just make so much money, but we don't organize. I was like, okay, that was in my mind. So I started doing this online business and then where I was like sharing experiences and then showing, Hey, there is a difference in the systems. You can't play footy in Australia, trying to use the soccer or the football rules from another country. You cannot play footy with the volleyball rules. You know, you have to learn the differences. And then doing that, I realized that people were okay. They are organizing their finances. They are like, maybe they're investing and they maybe they're getting the permanent residency um, or becoming citizens. Okay, what's next? So I realized, okay, there's something missing. What they need, they need an accountant. So we found out the two other business partners. We created an accounting firm because so
1: good. they all... <laughs> Makes sense, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, because you're making money. You're like, oh, I need an accountant. Okay, great. So... We can help you because instead of people coming to me and say, hey, how can you recommend an accountant? I say, yes, I can. I have an accountant firm, I'm an accounting business. So that's what I did. Right. So that's running. That's great. And then they have that accountant. They are making more money because they have a better assistance, let's say. And they maybe start, they decide to start a small business or a side hustle. And now they have a tax fund number and they have an ABN. So, okay, great. You're making an ABN, you're making more money, your business is growing, the accountant can help you. And at the same time, you're like, oh, maybe I want to buy a house. And what i want to share here, I think five people know, and the two of you are included in this group because yes, I didn't yes. share with my audience <laughs> as well. Um, I just finished uh, the diploma of mortgage broker. Um, uh, really don't congrats. know what I'm going to do with that. Uh, yeah. yeah, thank you. <laughs> Congrats. Um, <laughs> it's 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 awesome because, okay, great. These guys are making money. They have their savings. They are organizing their finances as well. Maybe they want to buy a house. So why not learning about that? And maybe I can help them. Or maybe I really don't know, but that's kind of how do we plug one business to another. Because in a sense, I'm helping them to solve a problem. And then once they are there, they have other problems. So how can I help them to f- solve the next problem? And then I fix that and I help, help them with this. What's the next one? And the next one. And the next one. So that's kind of a way I see it to pivot the business, uh, keeping in the same pipeline, let's say, helping people, but again, throughout the whole journey uh, and who knows what's coming next. <laughs>
2: You're the first business owner we've had on the podcast and you've already given us some really great tips about meeting the needs of people and figuring out what they need next and pivoting in that way. What are some other tips you'd give to someone starting a business? And would you give different tips to someone who's an immigrant? Is there a difference?
3: I think there's no difference, to be honest. Um, you can really start doing. I think there's a generation that always say, yes, let's just do what you love. Uh, I think that's great because I do what I love. But at the same time, you have to think about it. How can I make that profitable? You know, because that's what a business is about. In You have to do something, start making money, and then the money is just a consequence. It's not an end that you, you cannot really, oh, I just want to make money. I want to be rich and blah, blah, blah. Now nah, focus on helping people. The more people you can help, the more money you make but you're not forcing anyone to buy from you or your service or your product. So think about what skills do you have to start something? There's a term that we call MVP, which is Minimal Viable Product, meaning my opinion is if you don't look back and crack a laugh of your MVP, your first trial, your first video on YouTube or your first product or first consultancy, whatever it is, if you don't look back and laugh, you took too long to start. So just start. While you are just thinking about and planning and trying to make it perfect for the first time, there is someone out there that has no idea, basically no planning. They are doing. And as you are doing, you're learning with your mistakes. You're getting feedback from your potential customers. The notes that you receive will help you to, Ah, oh, okay, I got to know. Why? Why did you say no to my business? Why did you say no to my proposal? And then get the feedback, sink it in, be humble. And okay, let's try again. Let's improve. Let's do something else. So doing, it's really important in business. Again, there's someone out there doing the idea that you think it's just an amazing idea. You're going to be the next you know, Elon Musk or Mike Zuckerberg, or whatever it is. Yeah, okay, let's just try start doing something. So don't wait too long to start because, um, yeah, by the time you decide to start, there's someone else that's already doing, and then your, your idea will be, like, what, worthless. So just start. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't matter where you're listening us from. Uh, just start. That's it. Yeah, that's the best way. (laughs) That's my best advice.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that really resonates. Like my first Instagram posts were so ugly if anyone scrolls back to the start. And I've changed my mind so many times. And everyone's like, oh, how did you start? So I just made a really ugly post and then we went from there. So it's really good advice. In
1: tech, we also say fail fast. So it goes back to that idea. Do the mistakes, just do it. And you'll learn and you learn from those mistakes and you continue on. So I, (laughs) yeah, having your MVP and I'm sure how will you go back and look at your first website or feedback that you've given? And you're like, Oh, I could have, I could have done that better, but it's such a great <laughs> feeling, right? Cause we've, yeah. you adapt and you change and you grow.
3: Absolutely. I have the camera that I used to to use here. I didn't have microphone, didn't have lights. I was trying with a GoPro. I, like the sound was horrible. There was like super dark and it was like just horrible. It was like, I have to start somewhere. I cannot compare myself with, especially on social media, you're like, you have seen the posts and the videos that I do, like the scenario that I have, like, oh, I have all these books and all this, whatever it is. And if you compare yourself with someone that you're looking up, remember, go back to, let's everyone, let's go back to Tesh first, you know, first <laughs> post, nope. let's give it a like mm. and remember that. That's what I did. And then you're like, oh, okay. How can I compare myself with someone? But when they started because they were yeah. not perfect. We will never be perfect. So just do it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. You're going to laugh.
2: <laughs> and the comparison thing is huge as well when you start to realize how many social media people or YouTubers have big teams behind them and you're comparing yourself as a side hustle to these people with 10 employees and all the tech equipment and like a million dollars a year in revenue. So it's not comparable at all.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. yeah, And th- that same applies for me for investing as well. You know, like you guys always say, like, you know, start small and start go, start learning, studying, reading books, listening to podcasts. Don't wait. Oh, do I have to start investing with a hundred thousand dollars? I need $10,000 to start investing. Nah. Don't Five dollars
1: to start. Like yeah. you just, Factless. you just trial, trial and error. Just start. Right. And, and somewhere along the line, you might pivot as well. Right. Like how you just told us your story about how you started helping out, um, students and then you realized, Hey, listen, there's a gap when it comes to accounting. Hey, look, now there's another gap. People are trying to buy houses. This is how you evolve and you learn and your skill set grows. There's a lot to be learned from that. So it's just life is crazy like that. Life is crazy. You know, who would have known that you're coming over working in construction, surfing, and now you're doing this, right? Like life is awesome. And because you believed in yourself. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like living Bondi. Yeah. Living the dream. I'm going to meet all the, you know, the, the lifesavers there, like the Bondi rescue guys. Oh, that's going to be my life. Nah. Yeah. will work at five, 4, 4 a.m., going to, you know, catch the bus, catch the train, going to construction. And I did my first ever job interview, um, here in Australia because when I was working in Brazil, I was doing like an, a surf shop. Didn't have a job interview when I joined the army. There was no interview. So I was here, I was like, I didn't speak English. I didn't have clothes. I didn't know what to say during an interview. And the guy was just asking me, why should I hire you? And he was like the CEO of like, it was an internship. And I said, look, what I know, and I say, what I know in Portuguese about marketing? (laughs) No one will not know. They will not know this in English. And then I know that in six months, my English will be better. But in six months, doesn't matter who you hire, they will not know as much as I do. And I really don't know how it sounded because I really don't remember. I was super nervous, uh, but they hired me for like an internship. They are like an unpaid internship, but I was like, I got a job. But that's it. Just go for it. You know, um,
2: it's such an impressive story of just doing the thing, trying, seeing what happens and then pivoting. Do you have a big mistake or a really memorable mistake you want to share with us?
3: Um, I think my mistake is one of them, of course. <laughs> um, I was afraid of not knowing if I would get, achieve the permanent residency here and then, you know, have to find a sponsor or have to move to other, under the state, so I think my biggest mistake was if I knew that I wanted to my to move permanently to Australia, I could have stayed in Brazil for another thirty three days, working where I was working, just doing what I was doing, and then I would be able to apply directly for my PR from from Brazil. I didn't know that because it was like, oh, what's a migration agent? I had no idea. So that was a mistake that took me six and a half years to not be like to change from a student visa to a permanent skilled migration, skilled regional visa. Uh, so six and a half years, and that could have cost me maybe almost half a million dollars um, in terms of salary, because you're working part-time, you don't have full work permission, you have to just... Juggle around and it's really hard. So lack of knowledge cost me a lot. So, um, yeah, that, that was a big mistake. And same time it was like, yep, there was a different journey. That was the path that I, you know, I had to take and to be where I am today. Probably everything would be different. I really don't know, but um, I just translate that to lack of knowledge, not knowing, not finding information, not looking at finding people that can help you or they have been through what you want to do. Like the mentors, that's it. You know, find a coach, find someone that has done what you're trying to do and do it, you know, stay close to the people and then just try to learn. Um, because that those kind of mistakes can cost you a lot. In my case, they did cost a lot. Um, and if you guys can avoid that, that's happy days.
1: It is a huge struggle when it comes to permanent residency. I can I can attest to that, indeed. And like you said, learning from others, and that's exactly what you're doing. You're building a Portuguese-speaking community who can rely on each other and get information that they need. So, where can people learn more about you um, if they want to learn th- Portuguese <laughs> <laughs> through
2: Portuguese? Not We're Portuguese, Portuguese. Guys, Portuguese. that's if they want my, to- my new business.
3: <laughs> Yeah. That's my new business. Yeah. I'm teaching Portuguese now to English speakers in Australia. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm looking out for your
2: mortgage broking business. That'll be exciting. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So one of the business partners, uh, in the accounting business, it's my mentor and he's also a mortgage, bre- uh market broker, investor. Um, it's like someone that I like. Yeah. That's kind of someone that I really admire. And then the initial idea was, yeah, let's start, let's start studying. The mortgage broker, the diploma, um, finishing up and see how it goes. And we never know, you know, have so many, uh, opportunities out there. So you guys can find me on YouTube or Instagram or threads, uh, that I know. And yeah. I love it that was <laughs> Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Bye, like Twitter. it's like, it's, um, R A U L Raul Engel. And then who knows? I might start doing content in English as well. We never oh, know. Yeah. I always wanted to do that, but. Because I built this massive community of Portuguese speakers in Australia, you're like, ah, you know, should I pivot as well and start doing more things, um, in English? You never know. But if you guys are interested, um, just send me a message. There are so many, so much content there. Might do more lives in English, you know, happy, happy days. For me, it doesn't really matter. Uh, as long as I'm helping people, yeah, I'll be always happy.
1: Well, I think a lot of people connect with that content who aren't originally born in Australia, whether you're Portuguese speaking or Croatian or Spanish, like pe- a lot of people would uh, benefit from that. So if you do switch over to the English side, um, I'm sure there's a larger community you can tap into <laughs> who would help support from your support. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, Howell. we loved having you on and I'm sure this is going to be super helpful for so many people. Thank you.
3: No, oh, my pleasure, guys. I'm super thank happy you. to be here. It was great. That was super great. I hope I could have, you know, I could share with you guys some insights, some anything that was useful. Maybe 5 seconds of what I say today was useful for you. Great. I'm I'm super happy for that.
1: Believe in yourself. <laughs> yes, believe in yourself. I love that. Quote of the day. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, please rate us five stars, write a review or share with a friend. If you're new to investing, make sure to listen to our first 10 episodes. Follow us at Get Rich Slow Club or Tash at Tash Invest or me at Ana Christina.
0: This show was brought to you by Natasha Etchman, who is an authorized representative 1299881 of Guideway Financial Services AFSL 420367 and Perla, who is an authorized representative 1281540 of Sanlam Private Wealth AFSL 337927. Knowledge is power, especially when it comes to investing. So make sure you check out our financial services guides and read the product disclosure statement and target market determination for any investments you're considering. See our show notes for more info.